Good morning, afternoon, evening to our inner league family. Welcome back to another Monday, a fun, exciting baseball conversation. Today, we're bringing you breaking news in the Cardinals offseason coverage. Yankees again, at it again. And, you know, probably some other topics too. We'll get to them. But, you know, right there at the top, though, it's, we're pretty hyped on the Cardinals bags. You, you got me hyped earlier. I'm coming to hyped about the Cardinals today. We're making, we're about, we're like this close be, to like making a move, you know, should be, you should be. Yeah. We're just, we're like, we're really, it's a surprise factor. I think is what's going to happen. You know, we're just going to surprise everyone with what we're doing. So, so yeah. How are you doing? Spanks? Welcome back. Monday, one twenty-five. Even, even uh, though you said recorded on one twenty-six, I just fixed that. I don't know okay, why I so said 126. I, I was looking at the date on my computer, and then I was like, but I was reading the notes earlier, and it said 126. I had to take a take a glance. Yeah, I just I just saw it. Like, literally, as you were doing your introduction, I changed it. That's like, that's wrong. Like, it's totally the 25th today. Now you're trying to throw me off. Um, I, but... think, I, think what, I think I threw myself off because the last couple of weeks I've been doing the agendas on Sunday. Uh, just mm. to kind of get things started. And then there's been like that this section at the bottom where it's like last minute additions where it's like just things that pop up the day of. Um, and to, but yesterday I was, I was busy doing shit. So I didn't get to do the agenda till today. Like just found time throughout the workday. And uh, it, uh, yeah. So I was like, oh yeah, it's to, I, the agenda. It's always, it's always tomorrow, the day we record. So I just, you know, put tomorrow for whatever reason. It, I don't know. I'm an idiot. That long you're gonna have short. to, you're gonna have to teach me the ways of like finding time in the in like a work day to do anything. Because I had meetings canceled this morning. Nothing on my calendar for like a five hour period this afternoon, and I was busy until four thirty. And I ended up having like two or three meetings, like that weren't even on the count. Like, I don't, it's just like all comes up surprisingly on me. Like, uh, uh, on an everyday basis, I'm like, I'm gonna have time to do something for myself today. Wrong. Yeah, it never so, happens. Dude. So the so the secret for me is like I even though we're we're working remote, obviously we've been remote for almost a year now. Um, you know, like when we were in the office, like I, I was always a big advocate of getting out of the office, go take a lunch somewhere. Um, so I still try to replicate that. Um, whether it's you know, like, I can, some days I, like if I, if I'm super jam packed with meetings, I'll order lunch and then it's just like, yeah. when it gets here, I'll go grab it. I'll try to eat real quick, get back to it, whatever. Um, but like my day today was pretty wide open. So I was like, all right, like I'll just, I have some stuff I need to get caught up on, but I'm going to take some, some time for me, probably like an hour to, to eat, you know, get away from the computer for a little bit, whatnot. I, I, by get away from the computer, I mean, close my laptop and not look at it. So I just went upstairs, heated up some leftovers from over the weekend, you know, came down here, ate, like, I think I was listening to a little bit of a podcast uh, and then once I got done eating, you know, it's probably 15, 20 minutes. I just took like that other 40 minutes to put together the agenda. So it's just making sure you make time for yourself. Um, sometimes my, my quote unquote lunch break is at 2 PM. Sometimes it's mm -hmm. at 10 30. Um, but I'm just like, Hey, like I have a gap in time, so I'm not going to do anything during the stretch. 
Um, and it, it gets easier because, like, there will also be times where, like, I end up working until 6 o'clock at night. Like, that's – like, I was working until 6 p.m. I probably could have not taken a lunch, wrapped up everything I needed to, and been done by, like, 5. But I like breaking up the workday. Um, and then, shit, like, even after we hopped on to start bullshitting tonight, like, we were dealing with the work thing that we've been focusing on, and I sent that email tonight. So, yeah. you know, 9.30 just... at night, I'm still doing work. I was not good at that in the office, like taking the break. Like I just, and just, I, I push all of my employees to be good at that. I'm just not good at it. Um, and I've been extra bad about it being at home. Cause I'm like, I mean, I'm just at my computer already. So it's like, oh, answer this, do this. Oh, say that, you know, it's like, right. And, and there, I, I, at least for me, I find it that I take time away without realizing that I'm taking time away. Um, yeah, you know, obviously, you know, like you have bathroom breaks and stuff like that when you're at the office. But here, like I'll go upstairs, use the bathroom. Maybe I just like chill out. Like if Katie's at home from work, like I'll chat with her for a little bit. Maybe it's like five minutes or whatever. Um, you know, sometimes like the dogs need to go out, so I'll let them outside and I'll just hang out out back. Like I'm just take a couple minutes. Um, so it's, it's a little different than just like when you're at the office building, you're just like, all right, like I'm going to walk to the bathroom, use the bathroom, walk back to my desk here. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna walk upstairs. I might chill out for a minute. Maybe like the TV's on upstairs. So I'll watch TV for a minute, um, grab a drink, you know, whatever the case may be. So it, it comes in waves, but I definitely have days that I'm not that great at it, uh, especially if it's jam-packed with meetings or, like, there's just stuff going on that I need to do. Um, especially right now with transitioning where I'm taking over a whole bunch of stuff. Like, there's always things that I could be learning more about so I know, so I understand it better. So it's really hard for me to remember to take time because I always have something I could be doing right now, which is learn more about what I'm supposed to be doing. But get burnt out, man. Gotta, gotta take the time for yourself. It's like the, you know, two for them, one for me kind of concept. So it's like, if I, if I get after it for, you know, an hour, two hours, three hours real hard, then yeah, like I'll take five, 10 minutes and just a breather, step away from my computer and then get back at it. Might mean that I have to work a little bit later to get everything I need to get done. But that, that little sanity check ever so often goes a long way for me at least. True. Yeah. <clears throat> I just need to be better about it. Um, and we'll see if I ever do that. It's all right. I, <laughs> I like the, I like the, uh, you know, if I don't work like for the first, like if I just sleep in a little bit or if I like, sometimes it's really early in the morning. I'm just like, I just started, but like, uh, like I worked late or I worked over the weekend or something like I always think about that stuff. But if I get busy, I just then interrupt my me time and on to the next thing, I guess. So. Right. Cause at the end of the day, like, you know, where both of us come from, like working in a support type atmosphere, like we care about those people that we're taking care of, you know, like we're kind of like doing our job in the long run kind of keeps the front line going and, keeps the money flowing for the company. So like if, mm. if we just didn't give a shit, then only the cafes are going to suffer. So it's real easy to be like, Hey, like I'll, I'll get my breaks when I get my breaks. Um, 
you know, and, and I think we both have the mindset that if we put in the time now, like, hey, there's this thing going on. If we really put in the effort to full on fix what it is that's an issue, then this will give me more time in the future because this won't be a thing anymore. Yeah. I'm not going to be looking at this over and over and over right. again. So there's like the Band-Aid fix, which is which is an approach. So it takes less time, much quicker resolution, but you're not really fixing the issue. You're just making it no longer hurt. Um, you know, I just, it's, you know, like, all right, like I cleaned the table, but I just threw it all into a closet. It's like your table's clean, but the closet's a mess. Or you can, you know, sit down and take the time to organize what's going on, get rid of what you don't need to find a place to, to organize your shit. And then you're just good. True. Prepare yourself. Prepare yourself. But when you have riveting coverage like what I've got on the Cardinals, yeah, dude, this it's... is gonna be this is like I know it sounds like we're being sarcastic, but I this I went into most, this. That's the most upbeat news I've heard all off season when the Cardinals. Yeah, I, I I went in really like when I was putting together the agenda. It was just like, you know, clear eyes, full heart, can't lose. I don't know if you've watched. Friday Night Lights, but that's what that's from. Um, and I was like, "Hey, like, I rather than me ripping apart the fact that the Cardinals haven't done anything, let's go see what's doing in Cardinal Nation. Like, what what are they talking about? What are the big things? Like, you know, okay. St. Like, they're not just going to be sitting there ripping the Cardinals apart for not doing anything. They're going to be finding the positive spin on things. So I was like, let's let's get into what they're getting into. Like, let's see what they're digging deep and finding. You know, like they have the inside track on things. And I found like two topics that I think were, were pretty amazing. You know, they're really worth talking about so much to the point that like, even the Cardinals writers, like they wrote articles on them. Um, and so I know we've, we were talking a little bit about like how much, like, like how the, the winter warm up it's, it's kind of like an inaugural like vacation of sorts um, in St. Louis. Like it usually has pretty good pull for baseball, even though it's, you know, St. Louis has some pretty harsh winters at times. Um, this one's been relatively mild. I think we've had like one or two flurries, but not even snowfall has stuck. So, I mean, I guess global warming at its finest. Um, but because of COVID, um, they did everything virtually and we had talked on previous podcasts with like what the lineup looked like and some, some of the things that they were going to be doing. And they were like, Oh man, like this, this was like a big part with like when they made the Goldschmidt trade, like he was introduced to the team during the winter warmups and what that would have been like 2019 winter warmup. So before the 2019 season, um, it's like, there's usually a lot of, a lot of fun to it. I know like, uh, like, the young kids were a big portion of the winter warmups. Cause obviously they happened pre COVID in 2020. Uh, so we didn't know there was going to be a delay, but like Jack Flaherty was kind of front and center. Hudson was kind of front and center. Um, you know, Tommy Edmond was kind of the new face, uh, just a lot of buzz around it. So I was like, all right, like it, it's an accepted thing. So, so this year though, this year it's like, 2021 winter warm-up it was virtual and there was an article that was written about like what what got covered on day two of the cardinals winter warm-up 
Um, and really, like, they were asking hard-hitting questions like what the Cardinals players and front office managers, stuff like that, what their thoughts were on VR, like virtual reality. And they okay. talked about okay. fashion, like like virtual reality, like training, like no, no, uh, no, hitting just, like hitting no. t balls, virtual, no, no, not not so simulated I, pitching, um, virtual reality. So, so I don't want to say no. They didn't talk about those things. I will say that no, those things weren't reported on in the article because they didn't okay. really go into detail about what they talked about regarding VR. Um, just that that's what what that was one of the hot button topics that were discussed during day two of the winter warm-ups um was virtual reality and so fashion time to start investing into vr i think you know yeah um so it's the future yeah. um probably the only thing of note that was baseball relevant and that was uh they were talking with the carl's pitching coach uh, I think it's Mike Maddox. I think it's his first name. Mm, mm-hmm. um, and they were asking him his thoughts on the universal DH. And Maddox is a self-proclaimed baseball purist, which is just another way of saying that he has the wrong opinion about whether pitchers should bat or not. And so they were saying, like, so they asked him if the, if he were to make a lineup of the, out of using pitchers, what would that lineup look like? So he played along and went through the exercise and he had some, some good examples of why he would place guys where they would go. Um, made some jokes about like, Oh, this, this is what's going to happen. Then this guy here, he'll bat here. Then we'll have this guy. And he got through like six or seven guys. And he was like, by my count, it's like four to nothing already that we're up. But reality, what would have happened is that Pridus would have been like 28 pitches for seven strikeouts. You know, maybe they miss, a, they, they watch a few <laughs> balls because pitchers can't bat. They don't bat. They aren't good at it and they shouldn't do it. Like just pitch. That's all. <laughs> so, <laughs> so to stop, if, if anyone is of the mindset that the NL should continue to have pitchers bat, find another sport to watch. <laughs> stop, stop being a baseball fan. So would would you I don't know how close of a line you'll count this as, but it's, it's sometimes I would consider like the pitcher batting kind of like uh the field goal kicker kicking an extra point. Like why don't we just why aren't touchdowns just seven points? Like, why are we literally going, why are we strolling the kicker out here to kick a, you know, uh, uh, for the most shot. part, a sure thing. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. yeah. I think that's Would fair. you like say those things are kind of equal? Like, so then uh, the argument could be like, why do we have, not that why do we have kickers? Cause I was like punting, like longer field goals are obviously a thing, Correct. but like extra points, like touchdowns should just be seven points. Um, extra Unless so, you're going to go for two, you could still go for two. Those rules apply. Right. Like you, you could easily say that like, all right, we're, yep. We'll take the extra point or more. No, we won't, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, I, so I would I say guess at that point in time, it's a one point play, right? It's so not I, a two point play anymore. You run a one point play. Well, so I guess that would be the whole thing is, is it, 
It, oh yeah, because you'd have to take the seven away still. So right. You so you'd only it. you'd only get six. Otherwise, you're just gonna go for two every time if you're getting seven guaranteed. You're just either getting yeah. eight or you're getting seven. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so if you didn't go for for the extra point, you're just an asshole. Um, <laughs> so so for for me, it's like I I somewhat agree with the comparison and the fact that a vast majority of the time it's pretty irrelevant. However, there there's the opportunity in football that you can try to trick the other team into what you're doing and you can mm-hmm. line up in a means where it's perceived that you're going to just kick the extra point, but actually go for two. If it is, you're going for two or you're not, then that option is no longer there. But in the same, in the same scheme of things, that is likely a very minute scenario so it probably would be fine with doing away with it. Like I would imagine that that happens less often than a pitcher hits a home run. Yeah. So if I'm going to say that like, oh, well, the team could trick them. Well, then I have to understand the same argument. Well, the pitcher could get a hit. And if our pitcher has a good day at the plate and there's just as a normal day at the plate, then that gives my team a vast advantage, which is an understandable argument. But it's for me, you aren't you aren't removing anything from the game. You're just bettering the game. Like it's not like you only get eight at bats and the pitcher's just an automatic out. It's you have a ninth batter that that's what they are paid to do. Like they are hitters. Your pitchers are meant to pitch. Like when you have your pitcher at the plate, it's like the same aspect as having a fielder on the mound. You're paying you're paying Garrett Cole thirty whatever million dollars a year to pitch, not to stand in the match box. Possibly get hit. Right. Like Yep. And and I get that like injuries happen, it's a part of the game. Like if you're gonna tell me that you find it acceptable that Adam Wainwright was out for almost the entirety of a year because he blew out his Achilles tendon running to first on a ball that he hit, like if he was just pitching, that would that wouldn't be an option. Now, he could also have done that while he was pitching, but at least then he got hurt doing what he needed to do. Like Corey Kluber, for example, I feel I can accept it far better that he broke his forearm by getting hit by a ball that was batted. So he got hit with a line drive and it hit him in the arm and he fractured his forearm. I would be less I would be less understanding. I'd be more pissed off if he had gotten hit by a pitch and that's what broke his forearm. Yeah, that it's like there that this is this is just no good. And like, yeah, it's it's interesting to see like the other side of the the game and like it was fun to be like, Oh, the NL's gonna get to play with a DH, but you aren't gonna invest money into a DH because you only got to play a handful of games with him. So you're not investing money in that. And for the other side you're just like, Oh, well now our pitchers that don't ever do this have to get up there and try to bunt you know, or whatever. And like, it's not an easy thing to do. Like even NL pitchers suck at bunting for the most part. And they, they bat on a regular basis for their starts. Like it's something that they're asked to do regularly, but like, you know, I think like Mariano Rivera, you know, had like one at bat in his entire career. So, or like Tanaka who spent his entire career so far with the Yankees that he has like maybe less than 10 plate appearances in his career. Um, so it's like, what what do you expect him to do? Like, why would he ever practice this? Like, it would just be a wasted effort. So just do away with it. Just, like, play by the same rules. You know, it's fine. It would be like 
and that's probably the thing that drives me crazy the most. Like, I, I would be, I'm more on board with the AL getting rid of the DH than both leagues playing by separate rules. Like, the right decision is the NL just adopts the the DH, but they should be playing by the same rules. It would be like, using your same example, it would be like if the AFC didn't kick extra points, but the NFC did. <laughs> Yeah. So when you were in there, when you were playing interleague matches, you know, you didn't have to kick, you didn't have to kick extra points. Yeah. I was just going to give you those points today. Not a big deal. Yeah. Like, don't, don't worry about it. Oh, you don't have a kicker or, oh no, get your kicker out here. He's got to do this. Oh, it's something you've never done before. We don't care. You're, you guys lost because a kicker mixed, missed an extra point last week. That sucks. Yeah. So it, it's just, it's, it's one of those weird things. And I get that, like, I, like yeah, it set them maybe set them apart like way back when. I don't even really know like when the DH got a got adopted by the AL. Um, maybe it was a bigger deal back in the day when pitchers actually hit. Um, like that everyone on the team. That's just kind of what they did. Like it wasn't, it wasn't this free out. But this is not it's not what guys do anymore. Like I'm never. It's like oh well you know, we could go with. You know, we could have Garrett Cole pitch this game, or we could have, you know, uh, like Jim Davis pitch, you know, because he's batting 300 as a pitcher, and we really could use that extra bat in the lineup because we're we're in the NL ballpark today, so the pitcher's batting, so let's let's go that route. It's just so dumb. Like, no, like if if I like if I were the like if I were you know Boone, literally like say it's a scenario where Cole's pitching in an NL ballpark and there's no DH and he's batting. I'd like to like, just don't even swing, just stand up there. Like either they're going to strike you out or you're, they're going to walk you and they're going to throw either three pitches or more. And we're okay with that. Like, just don't, don't get hurt. Like, I don't want you to go through the motions to do something that your body doesn't normally do. Like, I don't want you up there trying to bat getting your hand like your finger crushed or something and then you break a finger and i lose you for two months like there is there's nothing you're going to do with the plate that is going to be so significant that it's going to equate to losing you on the mound otherwise like we're going to win this game because of your pitching performance it's fine so um some of your like quick history of the dh so it looks like uh in the spring of 1969 training both the american league and the national league agreed to try the designated pitch hitter but they did not agree on the implementation most nl teams chose not to participate however a four-year trial in which the international league and four other minor leagues started using the dh for their games that began that year um so it was an experimental baseball rule change it was embraced by the oakland a's um but then it goes on to say that um uh, where should I start this? Finley and other American League owners voted eight to four to approve the designated hitter for a three-year trial. Three months later, on April sixth, Rod Bloomberg of the New York Yankees became the first designated his hitter in MLB history, facing the Red Sox. Um, in his first plate appearance, Boomer Bloomberg was walked on five pitches with the bases loaded in the first inning. As expected, the American League posted a higher batting average than the National League in 1973, which has continued every season since. Um, and apparently it increased the American League attendance because of the designated hitter. 
The National League held a yes or no vote on August 3rd, 1980 to determine whether or not they still didn't get it. So it's an interesting yeah. uh, history. Yeah. And uh, like I know the, the final tally was four teams voting for the DH, the Atlanta Braves, the Mets, the Cardinals, and the Padres. Five votes against the Chicago Cubs, Reds, Dodgers, Expos, and Giants. Absentees were Phillies, Pirates, Astros. Um, five days after that meeting, the Cardinals fired their general manager, John Claiborne, who was the leading proponent um, for the adoption of the DH rule, and the National League has not held another vote on the issue. So really, dude, Bill DeWitt has the keys in his hand, you know? they they're just letting the Cardinals make decisions in the NL. They fired that guy. He was like, hey, you know, we want to be in there. And they were like, no, 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 dude, you don't. What did you do? You went to the wrong meeting, bro. You're fired. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what Kool-Aid you drank, but it wasn't ours. Yeah, you better go to the American League, you motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> this ain't happening over there. Maybe one of those guys will hire you. Yo, it's not our wait, whoa, whoa. You want us to sign a new player? Where do you think we're going to get the money for that? Yeah. You think we just got money growing on trees out here? Yeah. Like we're not net profitable. So yeah. You want us to do you want us to hire another guy? You're fired. Yeah. Easy. So cool. so the other aspect that is is crazy to me. All right. So and so even even if you want to be like, all right, it's it's great. Like the the NL uses the uses their pitchers batting. Yeah, you know, they don't use the DH, whatever. That's fine. So, in Japan, like, they're, they're Pacific League, like, it uses the DH. Um, the, their Eastern, I guess, like, the minor leagues, like, their Eastern and Western League, like, they do it, whatever. So, it seems like it's, like, outside of that, it's the rule that, like, is accepted. Like, outside of the, of the U.S., those are what the leagues play by. Um, even, like, the Mexican leagues that, like, have... Like Dominican leagues and stuff like that, where major league teams have affiliates there, they use DHs in all of their games. Um, at A ball or lower, the DH is always used. At double A AA and triple A, even, the DH is used unless both teams are farm clubs of the NL teams. And keep in mind, like the triple A leagues, it isn't like the NL teams all play on the, in their divisions and the AL teams. It's like just based on location to keep traveling minimal. So sometimes you have like majority of your games. Like I would imagine a vast majority of games and, and triple A even are played with a DH. So you could have a scenario where like the Cardinals have a pitcher make it to the major leagues after spending two or three years in the farm system. And he never even batted down there. So like, it might've been like, like, yeah, he hit in college, but then until they hit the double A, there's not even the possibility that they use the DH. And even then, it's they only utilize the DH when it's both teams play for the NL. It's like, like you might have a guy that's like never even picked up a bat until he's a starter at the major league level in years. And there's like, yeah, that makes sense. Like, let's have that guy bat. Let's not just have another guy that could that's already on the roster that could easily fill this role. Like the rules exist. It's not like we have to change a whole lot. Just do what the other league does and you're fine. It's crazy to me, dude. Like how it has gone on this long is baffling to me. Like it is the one mistake that literally every commissioner has made in baseball since the the rules been different. 
however many people that have been since the 80s that have been in charge of baseball, they have literally fucked this up every year that it goes on the same way. Every year. Idiots. So. Idiots. Anyway. The... (laughs) And they they didn't even really talk about that. Like, that... They weren't even talking about anything relevant. That was just Mike Maddox talking about how his line... His pitchers could have a lineup, and that lineup would probably be just as productive as the Cardinals' actual national or actual lineup. Um, speaking of the Cardinal offense, though, the other topic that they talked about, if you're a Cardinals fan, it should you know it should remove all doubts that you have about the offense. So it has been reported that the Cardinals are making some changes to their offense in the way that Matt Carpenter will possibly wear batting gloves in colder weather scenarios. So the offense has been saved. Like he's never been, never been a a batting glove wearer, but he has admitted that he gets off to slower starts in colder weather. So to try to, to try to avoid that, he's going to wear batting gloves, not, not necessarily help his grip, but help keep his hands warm. So maybe he can get him through the zone a little quicker because, you know, quicker bat speed means that he'll pull the ball less, even though that's all he ever does. (laughs) So, well, dude, the advanced analytics really show that if the weather is like below 41 degrees Fahrenheit on like a regular day with this, you know, earth has so many rotations around it that like he could probably have, anywhere from like a 30 to 40 point better average. Like that's just like go to baseballreference.com and like look up Matt Carpenter. It's like, it's really, it's a really big article about like how much better he really is with gloves on versus not gloves. So like, yeah, it um, makes a lot of sense. Like he's probably theoretical be like, cause he's never, he's never worn batting gloves at the player. major league level. Yeah. And this is, I think this is what they found out this off season, right? Like, yeah, like they finally figured out like, he this is why he's been doing so bad right because he hasn't been wearing batting gloves yeah so like 18 million dollar a year player like let's just get him some gloves and we're back yeah exactly like it i i i don't know if you've checked out the price of batting gloves i'm not gonna lie like to like me and you like the average show they're fucking expensive (laughs) but making 18 million dollars a year i think you can afford a couple pairs um so yeah, so those those are the big that's the big doing like fashion VR. They didn't even really talk about what they talked about in terms of fashion, which pissed me off. Um, and then Matt Carpenter will possibly wear batting gloves. Didn't say he's going to, just said that he was going to consider it. You know, so so maybe if he doesn't wear batting gloves and he struggles, everyone remember this episode thirty seven, the doers and the do nothings, interleague podcast play the tape back for him he said he'd possibly wear them now it's time you know shit or get off the pot matt carpenter if he struggles yeah. early on he yeah, better if you put, put them gloves on, on. You're, and you're not if you're putting them gloves on and you're not raking them if they're putting the shift on you and you're not just like bloop 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 yeah block like, block block i'm on first all the time. i'm on first i'm on first yo my name's matt carpenter and all i do is stay on first base you know what i'm saying yeah you know what i'm saying he he better play so well that the cardinals are like we should sign him to another contract yeah. he should get so comfortable 
so comfortable in those gloves that he would he would confidently be able to not only make but also eat and enjoy his own salsa. Dude, dude, Matt Carpenter eating his salsa with gloves on, then he goes to bat. Yeah, dude, let's tweet him out right now, dude. Tweet him. <clears throat> Can you say you know what? Well, I said it was eleven and eleven, so what it would be twelve and twenty-one. With what? With if Carpenter wears batting gloves, Cardinals are going to win a World Series championship. They're going to win a ring. It was eleven and eleven, right? Isn't that what your tat is? Yeah, dude. The eleven and three in twenty eleven. They would have won twelve and thirteen, dude. I could have been like eleven, twelve, thirteen. What's up? Yeah, well, we've been eleven, eleven, twelve, thirteen, <laughs> but because now you have two elevens on there on your like. Or is it just one? No, it's two. All right. Yeah, so it's be 11, 11, 12, 13. It's 4 1. It's 4 1. Fair enough. <laughs> Best fans in baseball? 4 1s. Touche. Throw them Touché. up. Um, Go Bills. Yeah. Uh, yeah, well, at some point, maybe we'll have social media presence and uh, the, the BFIP can see that. See your tat. It's classic, dude. They'll, uh, you know, when we catch our first game from one Cardinal way, we'll we'll make sure to get some pictures. Spags is going to get a tattoo of me having a tattoo. (laughs) It'll be your, uh, what are are the little, like, emoji things where it's, like, to your likeness? What are those called? Emoji. What is it? A bitmoji? Bitmoji, yes. I'll get a tattoo of your bitmoji that has your tat. That's, like, showing off your tattoo. (laughs) It'll be, except the Cardinals, it'll be actually be a Yankees tattoo with how many, like, championships they have. Yeah, it's just like your entire body is full of rings. Oh, dude, rings, rings, rings. That's all we do is rings. Yeah. Um, so, speaking but, but, of the best franchise ever. We better, we better wear rings, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. Gloves um, and rings. Speaking of the best franchise ever, we just got done talking about them. Yeah, so speaking so, of the best franchise ever. Like podcast over then or what? <laughs> um, <laughs> no, week was pretty boring. So. Boring after the first 30 minutes again. So unfortunately, I feel like other teams got the memo. Like when Brian Cashman came out of left field and like signed this sweet deal, team-friendly deal for DJ LeMahieu. And then they went and signed Corey Kluber. And they're like, holy shit, where'd they get this information from? Everyone was like, the interleague podcast. You know, Alex and Chris talking through things. Pitch this idea, new year, new approach. Um, it was genius. Cashman, you know, took it and made it happen. So what So what we were talking about, what I want to see the Yankees do is add another bullpen arm. And uh, I specifically had, had leaned towards Kirby Yates and then Brad Hand is like a secondary option. Well, Kirby Yates is no longer a free agent. He was signed by the fucking Toronto Blue Jays. So not only is he no longer an option for the Yankees, but he's in the damn division. Uh, Brad Hand also signed, went to the Nationals. So let's see what we can speak into existence this week. Um, my guy's making some moves still. It's nice. It's, mm-hmm. I'm a big, big fan. Really um, woke up. I I anticipated, or I shouldn't say I anticipated, I was hoping they would add another starter. 
I thought it would be from the free agent realm because I didn't think that there was really a lot of depth in the farm system that would really be worth a whole lot. Um, but they put together a pretty decent package for Jamison Tyon, who's a starter out of uh, from Pittsburgh. So the, the the NL Central continues to get worse. Not that the My Pirates, not that the Pirates could really get much worse. They were probably already only like a 65-70 win team. Um, yeah, but if James Tyon wins like you know, eight, nine, ten of those games, probably two of them are going to come against the Cardinals at some point in time, you know? Yeah. So that's two more wins in our book, baby! Yeah, so... Nine, four games this year, Spags. So it's pretty Woo! cool. Like, I'm, I'm pretty high on this guy. Um, I I was a fan of him, even, like, going into the last couple seasons. Um, the proof in the pudding there is that prior to 2019 in our fantasy, like, in, well, what is now our fantasy league, well, mine, but you're now also a part of. Um, I drafted James and Tyon in the fourth round. Mm. Um, oh, now he's your guy, dude. Yeah, so I so I was pretty high on him even back in like 2019 when he was with like just with the Pirates, kind of breaking in the league. Like I I was pretty high on him. Like he had had a strong 2018, thought that you know he would continue that, and it just didn't really equate to much. Like not that he had bad years, but Pittsburgh was just atrocious. So. It is what it is. Um, but having him be not only with the Yankees, but pitching further down in the rotation, strong possibility he's probably going to be your number three guy. Uh, when Sevy comes back, you could see him slot back into the number three hole. So Tyon could be like your number four. You know, you could mix and match whatever. Um, like if you want to try to split up, like put your lefty somewhere. Um, I feel like you're it can be effective to have Montgomery pitch the game before Cole because Cole's a power pitcher and Montgomery is going to kind of off-speed, big breaking ball, kind of mix and match. So if a team sees Montgomery one night and then next night they see Cole, it might take a minute for them to speed their bats up um, to to get back at that look. It's just a completely different look than Montgomery. So I, I like having uh, Montgomery at the number five spot. But Tyon definitely extends that. Yankees did give up four prospects for him. Um, three that are ranked like in, by MLB in their top 30. Uh, but I think like the highest one was like 15 overall. Maybe it was 19 overall, something like that. Um, I forget exactly. But not a... Not overly pricey um it's very much what they needed to do uh, i feel much better about the rotation now um filling two holes with you know garcia and herman and montgomery is much different than four um and now if severino comes back like you're it's extended even further you could look at severino even being like your number four which is great so there's that rotation in line so the only thing that that really leaves left for me for the yankees was kind of solidifying the bullpen um like i said brad hand or kirby Yates would have been ideal both are now off the market um also working with salary restrictions so i was like all right what what are they gonna do um prior to what happened today i was looking at like roberto osuna as a decent gamble option it's only 26 could potentially look at like you know trying to do the rest in rehab for to avoid tommy john 
Um, so I'm, I'm pretty high on that investment. I think if you go like a multi-year deal, like a two-year deal with pretty low money or like a one year with a club option or something with like a vesting option or something along those lines, uh, based on relief appearances or something, um, but have it be relatively cheap this year and relatively heavy loaded next year in that option year if it does vest i think it would be worthwhile he's only 26 so it put him like his 28 season like his year 28 season but it would be like what the giants did with brebia who's going to be out most of the year with tommy john it's like they signed him to a two-year deal this year it's like 800k and then next year it's like three and a half million so it's just like hey we're we're not going to take a hit on salary this year so we could bring in somebody else to fill the role we want you to fill while you're rehabbing and then we'll pay you next year, but we'll just lock you up currently. So I think if they do something like that with Osuna, it could go a long way. Um, but they dealt out to Boston along with another prospect and basically just like a move to free up salary. So now they have like this new $8 million that they found um, to play with this year. So it gives them like $11 million of wiggle room. So they could just try to go out and land another, another free agent pitcher. Um, that could be even better than like needing to be that gamble. Yeah. But do you think they, so they had $11 million also though, what frees them up for like mid year, like, uh, hope this happens. We need to sign this type of player. Or like maybe we don't, maybe we're not as good in the rotation as we thought we were going to be. So, you know, we got to bring in this over. So some of that flexibility could be for some like mid season sure. work as well. Not have to like work it out. I think the, I'm always in the boat that the, uh, New York Yankees have their foot on the gas pedal. Um, so something's probably going to happen, you know, for clearing right. up money. Um, we're probably, that's why I told you, I'm like here, catcher incoming right like the yankees are doing all the other things of need i i I find it hard to think a franchise that's addressing so many needs in like a pretty short amount of time once they started addressing it is not going to take a closer look at the catching position which is one of their worst positions um it's one of their worst positions if 2020 was the gary sanchez that we're gonna get if you avoid, like, if you remove that and you go back and you get, like, tw- I think it's like, 2018 that Sanchez had his big year, um, if you get that those kind of production numbers, then you're in a great spot. Like, there's a point in time, like, Sanchez led, like, all catchers in home runs over a three-year period of time. Or, like, it was, like, led all catchers in home runs and RBIs over, like, a three-year stretch. If that's the type of production that you get and he's batting, you know, 230, 240, that's fine. It was the having no power numbers, striking out all the time, and batting 180, and being shit behind the plate that killed you. Um, yeah, that's why I think even without even with his home runs taking account, like you know last year that like you really don't need those twin games. Like you have plenty of guys that are going to get home runs, correct. and you got plenty of guys that are going to get on base. So to like really shore up that, like make sure four days out of five, you know, a week, you're going to have someone solid behind the plate. Maybe they're just the guy that like helps turn over the order. Maybe they're the guy that, you know, just gets singles. Like maybe they're not that power guy, but like they're driving and runs. They're like doing the small plays, right? You know, or maybe you get yourself a JT Raw Muto and you're like, you're yo, we're, we're just like back in it. What's up? We sit back and relax yeah. the rest of the year. Coast so the, our only, way to the-, 
Yeah, the only thing is like I I don't know I I don't know I think that they're running out of potential suitors to be able that would be willing to find a deal for Sanchez. So really I think what the what the play would be in my opinion at this point um is you're you're going to give Sanchez the one more year um because it also lets you figure out who's real and who's not in a full 162 game season like is Severino going to come back healthy? Is Herman going to bounce back from his suspension? Is Garcia real? Is Montgomery going to be healthy coming back from into a full year's work after his Tommy John recovery? Because, um, I mean, he was he was okay. He was decent at best. He was a, a good number four, number five option. Um, but it was in a shortened season. So who knows if he's going to stay healthy for a full year. This year, like if assuming 2021 is 162 games, it gives you a better idea of what your depth looks like at that position. Um, maybe you get to see guys like uh, Michael King and Clark Schmidt and see like what the future has, like with them facing AAA batters and they get to actually pitch in the minor leagues against competitive batters, you know, for a full season um, instead of it just being like the alternative training camp um, or the alternate site for a season where you're just doing like simulated games all the time. Um, so that it just gives them far more information. <clears throat> and then you can, if you, if you want, like you can either like try to, to deal Sanchez at that point and package him together with a youthful pitcher. Um, and you go after someone like Salvador Perez. Um, or you just decide like, Hey, we're going to ride out, Sanchez in general um I want to say I think he's a free agent after 2022 um yeah so 2022 is like his last year of arbitration eligibility um and then he's a free agent and it's like if you're like all right like if if Perez hits free agency we'll heavily invest in that if not then we'll we'll ride this storm out try to see if we can find a good deal that helps us out or whatever um, there's also the possibility, like, I know there's heavy rumor of, like, the Braves being inter- interested in JT Realmuto. So if they were to bring him in, then Travis Arnaud is a trade option. So maybe you try to deal for Arnaud and you, you give up something, you bring in Arnaud, like, Arnaud as, as an option. Um, but it would still require you to find a new home for Sanchez that, you know, is, is needs to go somewhere. Um, likely the biggest trade market would become available for him. If the universal DH becomes a thing and his bat bounces back. Like if you can find a DH home for him and he doesn't have to be behind the plate, his, his value goes up. So now if you trade him, you're selling probably at the lowest his value is going to be. Um, if he absolutely tanks, then you're you ride out one more year and you part ways with him and let him go to free agency anyway. Or his it bounces back, the CBA gets renegotiated, the universal DH becomes a thing, and there's now 15 new teams looking for a DH that Gary Sanchez could easily fill the hole for. And you just look at moving him while you sign someone else in a free like in free agency. <clears throat> Um, so whereas like I would love Real Muto to be what they would fit, there's no way he's signing for eleven million a year or less. So if they do bring him in, they're going over their 
their pay the the luxury tax threshold, which I don't care about because it's not my money. Um, but I know that's what they're attempting to not do. Um, so it'll it'll be it'll be interesting. Um, I know a, like there's the next big signing is like apparently Yasiel Puig has been of interest like on the Yankees radar, and then Brett Gardner has been big interest. Um, really, what they need is a left-handed at bat, or a a left-handed batter is what they could utilize. Um, I think they had like the fewest left-handed plate appearances last year. Um, and if Gardner is gone, like he took majority of them. So if Gardner doesn't come back, uh, I just don't know where they would have room for him. You know, it's like, like that's, that's what I struggle with is that like, yeah, Gardner would be a, a nice, you know, option as like a number four outfielder, number five outfielder, along with like Greg Allen, um, you know, pinch running capabilities, you know, in certain situations, uh, Hicks, Judge, and Frazier all have, are, are pretty decent defensively. I mean, Judge has a cannon for an arm. Uh, Frazier was, you know, in the running for gold glove, um, and Hicks is Hicks. Uh, so it's a good depth piece if they bring in Gardner, but it would have to be a team-friendly deal. Like, they already paid him $2.5 million to not play for the Yankees this year um, and not, like, in declining his option. So it's like, I don't I don't know what you're, what you're going to bring in. Like, maybe you save a couple million dollars by signing him for $5 million instead of the $10 million that he was owed. Um, but if you sign him for five, it's really seven and a half because of the opt out. Um, so I, I don't know. Like, it, it just doesn't make sense to me to bring right. in something like that. I know what it's like when your team's, you know, looking at too many outfielders. You know, yeah. it's just like it's a confusing time. You're like, we're looking at outfielders. Whoa, 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 whoa. We're looking at outfielders that we've already been through. And, you yeah, know, just I could, I could kind of say with a straight face, like, Maybe good options because they played on the team for ten years, but like, what I really mean is like, there's better options, you know. Right. I like I I would much rather them go out and get like a Jack Peterson or something if that's what yeah. they're gonna do. Like, yeah. go out and get go out and get me a guy that has like a big bat coming off the bench. You know, Brett Gardner. Like, yeah, he's had some home run prowess in his past, but he's not a home run hitter really. Like, he give me Marcelo. Well, he's yeah. a righty. <laughs> So if you're going to add a bat, it better be left-handed. No, dude. He's going to learn how to bat lefty in offseason, dude. Oh, well, then, yeah. Then yeah. you're good. He's going to – what was oh, it? That... Yeah. Um, what was I Now he's a switch hitter. Which uh, means he can bat left. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if he was, I, I'd take him if he could bat left-handed. But he can't. Um. So let's see. So their bullpen, Chapman, Britton, Green, Sesa, Eliza, five guys. You probably are at a point, um, Cole, Tyon, Kluber, call it Montgomery and Herman. probably could carry Garcia um, as like a long reliever. 
so that gives you a sixth reliever. So there's probably two spots available in the bullpen, ideally. Because that would give you 13 pitchers, 13 position players. Um, so you probably have two, two bullpen spots that you could fill. Um, right now, the likely targets for that would be like Albert Abreu, Nick Nelson, Ben Heller. Uh, Abreu, I think, had pretty decent numbers last year. The other two have been meh at best. Um, so maybe you go with Abreu in that role and you just you're looking for like another middle reliever and that's why i think like someone like uh roberto osuna like someone to go along with chapman and britain that'll break up your big two being left-handed um that can be reliable and osuna's been a pretty lights out closer at times in the past he's just a big injury concern but i think he checks all the boxes that you need um now that you've dealt out which i'm okay with because out is making eight million dollars um and he, you were going to pay him $3 million next year, even though he was going to be a free agent, potentially going elsewhere. They were giving him a signing bonus next year, no matter what. So now that goes to Boston. Boston can deal with that shit. Yeah, fuck Boston. Um, but yeah, so then, so if you figure they have 13 position players, you're going to carry two catchers, Sanchez and Tagashioka. You got Voight, um, LeMayhew, so one, two, three, four, um, Urshela, Torres, so five, six, you're going to have three outfielders, so it takes you to nine, and Frazier, Hicks, and Judge, Stanton at your DH, so that gives you, what, ten? Um, you're probably going to carry a fourth outfielder for sure, which will likely be Talkman at this at the current juncture. Um, you're probably going to carry Wade as like a backup infielder to kind of move around. If Torres, you know, if, like you can move Wade to short, you can have Wade play second to sit Voight and move LeMahieu to, um, to first. Um, or it would be Wade and Thyro Estrada, and then you just have all of your infield backup spots. Um, and I think that would be what, 11 and 12? So it's like one spot, really. Like, it could be Mike Ford, could be Greg Allen as, like, a fifth outfielder. So, like, you are you already have all these spots full, so I, I have literally no idea why they're looking at anything other than relief pitching. Like, just make your bullpen better. That should be all the Yankees are doing right now. If they do anything other than that, I'm going to be upset. Unless it's on JT Romney. Fair. I, unless it is an, an, an obvious improvement at to, to like the starters um but like greg allen or brett gartner probably not much different like so just run with greg allen and don't spend another five million dollars on gartner yeah you know, save gartner money. Two more years away from like contractually getting a statue in front of the stadium dude you know do you like do you really want that like um yeah because his numbers are not great yeah not great <laughs> so um, if it were like a super team friendly, like one two year deal, maybe like it's like two or three million, like way down from the ten million he made last year, then I could probably get on board with it. Like, if, if a if a real cheap team friendly Brett Gardner is an option, I would take that over Greg Allen. But if you're gonna bring him back in for 
five, six million. You add in the two and a half million that you already paid to opt out. So you're really at like eight, nine million. So you're saving yourself like a million dollars by not giving him, by not just picking up his option. You're, I don't, I don't know what you're doing. You're just spinning your wheels at that point. Um. So if they if they aren't going to add to the bullpen, then my thoughts would be just invest still heavily into starting pitching, or try to bring in a guy that could fill both roles. Um, if you're going to go like low risk high reward, then you still have guys like you know Taiwan Walker and Chris Archer available um, to add to your rotation. Then you could move like Herman. Garcia, like they either can go to the minors or they can pitch out of your bullpen, you know, and you can adapt them that way for a year, whatever. Uh, spot starts, figure out what you got going on. Or you can invest in a more veteran type guy that could be a starter, but if your starters are all pitching well, can also find success out of the bullpen, which would be like a Rich Hill, Adam Wainwright, um, shit, even like. A Cole Hamels, um, Felix Hernandez, something like that. Like you just bring in a guy that can help teach these young kids, which is what I think Wayno would do a great job of. Um, has found success out of the bullpen before, so could certainly do that. Like he could easily be in the mix with, you know, Chapman and Britton. Like if you had like Britton pitch the seventh, you know, just hard thrower, nasty sinkers from the left side of the of the mound and then Wainwright pitches with his big old 12 to six curveball in the eighth and then go back to, you know, Chapman just throwing missiles when sliders that drop off the, you know, just drop out of nowhere far off the plate. Like that's going to be a nightmare for teams to adjust to over the course of three innings at the end of your game. So you have $11 million that you saved, go spend like $4 million and bring Adam Wainwright in. You know, whoa, 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 whoa! Like, why he doesn't not? want to be in New York, dude. He doesn't like the bright lights, dude. He wants <laughs> maybe, to be, maybe. You know, he where is he going to put his farm in New York, dude? <laughs> uh, Syracuse, man, upstate New York, tons of farmland. How, how's he going to make Matt that's Carpenter's fair. veggies for a salsa? That's that's fair. Well, yeah, you're right. Fair enough. All right, all right. Um, bags. It no, seems like a good, good idea, but if you talk that into existence tomorrow, <laughs> you're, you're like, gonna be mad at me. Two or three more things into existence, and I'm not gonna show up to this podcast anymore. Fair, fair <laughs> enough, fair enough. Um, but yeah, I'm gonna be sitting here Monday's been like, Chris, yeah, like, hello, Chris, hello, can you hear me? Hello, hello, um, but yeah, so that about covers our teams, but. There was at least some other movement in baseball. Uh, some things are doing. Some things are happening. Um, some things that are happening that I think are odd that other teams weren't in on them. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I just kind of jotted down. I think there's like four free agent signings. Um, the only trade of really any significance that I saw was the Yankees trade, uh, which was like the four prospects for Tyon. Yeah. And I did find it. It was two pitchers that were 15th and 19th uh, mm-hmm. ranked prospects in the organization, an outfielder that was ranked 21 and an on-ranked shortstop. Um, I don't know where he falls, but only that they only ranked the top 30. 
So some decent prospect options. Yes, the Pirates will be much worse, but what they traded Josh Bell, Joe Musgrove, and Jamison Tyon, so three players, and I think they brought in 12 prospects in total. So if some of those hit, like if some of those end up actually being, you know, major league caliber talent, they the Pirates could be relevant a couple years down the road. Um, however, it's also going to be dependent on them spending more than $40 million a year. Um, so I think until, uh, until the Pirates ownership starts to invest in the team, likely they can have all the prospects that they want. And uh, I, I maybe they'll win the occasional NL Central because the division will be real bad, but they're not going to do anything yeah. in terms of threatening for a championship. As soon as they get someone good, they just trade them anyway. So, like, they'll either be coming back to the Yankees if they turn out good. They'll be going to the Rays. Um, someone will be snatching them up, you know? It's fair. It's fair. Um, it's hard to pay $40 million of payroll, you know? So, so the, the Angels, I think they continue to take steps in the right direction. Um, good investments. Uh, they signed Jose Quintana to a one-year, $8 million deal. Um, not that we worry about the Angels too much. I'd love to see Mike Trout play October baseball, but it's more so relevant because this is another free agent that was a Chicago Cub last year that he's now gone. Um, so the Cubs have lost now. Uh, Quintana signed elsewhere, Lester signed elsewhere, and they traded away Darvish. Um, and then... There's rumors of another pitcher potentially moving, but we'll get into that in a little bit. Um, the Blue Jays, which obviously is relevant because they are in the division with the Yankees, um, really pushed the Yankees last year, like almost beat them out for the number two spot behind the Rays in the division. Um, so they added George Springer, six years, $150 million, which is like the largest contract they've ever offered a player. They also signed Tyler Chatwood, who I also think pitched at uh, pitched for the Cubs last year. Um, Sounds like player. Yeah, and uh, either out of the bullpen or I think he might have been like kind of a swing guy. Some he would start and pitch in relief sometimes. Um, but they signed him one year, three million. And then, as I mentioned earlier, they signed Kirby Yates. Um, they picked him up one year, five and a half million. Would have been the perfect fit for what was going on right now if they just could have traded out of Vino to fucking Boston three days ago and then signed Kirby Yates. You know, well, I think it would have been longer than that. I think Toronto signed Yates literally the day after I talked about how great of a deal it could be for a team to pick him up on a low income one year deal. Um, and then Toronto did that. Um, then we also had the, the Michael Brantley saga. Um, it came out that he had agreed to terms with the Toronto Blue Jays. And then like six hours later, it was reported that he agreed to terms with the Houston Astros. <laughs> so I don't know what happened there, but clearly someone jumped the gun, reported some shit that wasn't true. Uh, but he did sign uh, two years, 32 million. So I know Springer and Brantley were both names that I kind of kicked around. It doesn't surprise me that the Yankees are that the Cardinals weren't in the ballpark for this. I think either one of them, um, you know, what the 150 million over six years is like 25 million a year. 
like average annual value and Brantley's at 16 million a year. Um, so it doesn't surprise me and that they didn't go after either of those guys. Um, although I think they would have helped improve the team, but having like the Fowler and Carpenter contracts, if Brantley were on the market next year as a free agent, I think the Cardinals would have been pretty in on that. Um, or even Springer, if both these guys were coming off and he were a free agent next year. Um, I haven't looked much at what the free agent class looks like for outfielders. Um, but I think that they, it makes sense that the price they went at, that the Cardinals weren't really players for it. Um, however, there is a player that got signed that I don't understand how the Cardinals weren't ever linked to this guy. So one of the things that the, that we've read all the time that the Cardinals needed was a utility guy. They need that utility player that'll just kind of really round out, give you some depth in the infield, give you some depth in the outfield. You know, kind of what we talked about. If you sign Colton Wong, then that's what Tommy Edmond can become. You know, uh, kind of what like the Yaira, uh, uh, Yara Munez was when, yeah, before he just quit baseball or whatever he's got going on. Gave up. Yeah. Um, I quit. So the Padres, because they needed more guys, they re-signed Jerks and Profar, who, you know, they they brought in last year, and he played most of the playing time after Tommy Pham got hurt um, out in left field, but he plays. Five positions defensively, plays them well. I think he plays anywhere in the outfield and then, like, the middle infield. Um, he could probably get by with playing third, and maybe it's maybe it's second, short, and third that he plays in the corner outfields. Uh, maybe he doesn't play center. But he plays five defensive positions, and he plays them pretty well. Um, and then in terms of hitting, he had an OPS plus of 113 which the league average is the 100 mark. So like slightly above average, uh, you know, compared to the league as a hitter plays five positions. Well, defensively three years, 21 million to $7 million a year, cheaper than what you would have had for Wong. So it made sense. Like they're still reducing that. It was a mm-hmm. long-term deal. Like he gives you tons of flexibility. Why were the Cardinals never attached to this guy? I would guess most likely because Jerks and Profar wanted to stay with the San Diego Padres. I, mean, I don't who, blame him. Hey, it's fucking San Diego. That's where you're playing. Yeah. But yeah. And like they're like, you know, like they had a solid squad last year. Like they've only gotten better this offseason. Like if you're going to try, like if they're going to be like, hey, we have interest in you. Like we're just going to need some time. We're going to need to throw around some figures. And but he's like, hey, you know, like I'm going to get a contract no matter where I sign. Like if I hold out for San Diego and they don't sign me, I'm probably a good enough player to turn around and get a contract. So I just ain't worried about waiting. I'm just going to see if like they'll have the commitment first. Um, and then there's the fact that the Cardinals are cheap and they're not going to sign and, anyone like that. And I get that. But, but... I, I think it's the other way that like the Cardinals were just probably really never given a chance. Maybe they were like, hey, because I would doubt they didn't check in. Like if you want to believe everything Mo says, they do their due diligence on every player, all of them, all the players. They're all the best players. We do all the diligence on them. Your uh, your mosaic sounds a lot like your Trump. 
Oh, really? It really? Sounds yeah. a lot like Mike Trump. No, yeah. that's weird. So we're like the best off season ever. No one's ever had a better off season than the Cardinals. Our offense is going to be huge. Yeah, we're really Matt Carpenter's going to wear gloves next year. It's going to be fine. <laughs> we're going to be good. <laughs> uh, so far. We have gloves on our team now. Nice. Uh, um, but you know, so I would like to think that like there was at least a hay, and then it was a, eh, you know, like. If we're interested, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. If we're interested, we'll call you, you know. Yeah. Right. And, and that's fair. And and again, we don't we don't know everything that goes on behind the scenes. And I guess what I guess more so to my point, and I I guess it it's it's on me as well. It's not like it's a name that I threw around that like, oh man, watch this guy's gonna sign real team friendly or whatever. But typically like we we're all over this stuff, like and no, no one was talking about it. So it could certainly be that, like, no one really knew what was going on. Like, it was pretty quiet. Like, mum's the word from the Profar camp. Um, not a lot of people are talking about him. You know, no one really knows what his market's going to shape up to be. You know, whatever the case may be. But it just seems like, man, like, this is a really great fit for checks a lot of boxes for what the Cardinals would need. Um, even, even like, late game scenarios, it could, it could help. And, like churn up the defense a little bit um he has some speed you know just just it it checks a lot of boxes of what you could utilize and the name never was even mentioned like by any reporters was never really linked to the cardinals at all with what i saw granted i don't read every article out there i'm certain that there's probably someone that had the brilliant idea that is but it's just like three years seven million if you did your due diligence your due diligence on everybody and you checked in and you kind of found out what they were looking for. Sure. Profar could have been like, well, I'll take three years, 21 million to go back to San Diego. And I know I'm not going to necessarily play every day. Cause I mean, let's be fair. Like their team's loaded and they've only added, like they added the guy from Korea. Uh, fam's going to be healthy. So it's going to be tougher for him to find at bats. But if you really like the squad, if you like playing there, I mean, who wouldn't want to be in San Diego majority of the time? Um, and like you said, like they were the second best team in the NL last year. Um, there's going to be a pretty heated rivalry. It'll be exciting to watch them match up with the Dodgers all year. Um, and they're contending, like exciting things are happening. So maybe it was like, well, we really would like, you know, three years, 30 million. And then he accepted when San Diego was like, hey, we'd love to have you back, but we're only willing to do three years, 21 million. And he was like, you know, for, for that, I will. Like, I will play in San Diego for 21 million. But if you want me to come to St. Louis, it's going to be 10 a year or 11 a year, 12 a year, something like that. So that conversation certainly could happen. And I doubt we'll ever get transparency in the league. Like, that's how it'll exist. But it's just crazy to me that, like, the reaction isn't like, man, we feel like we missed out on one and, and maybe teams will never say that, but like, I, I guess like I, I was hoping that like Jack would be more vocal in the off season, Like he was real, real big talker when it came to like the season starting up and stuff like that. But, like, where's he trying to get things going and like advocate for people to come back here? I mean, like all kinds of Phillies players were, you know, doing sales pitches for Real Muto, for the team to re-sign Real Muto. Um, Voight, Judge, all those guys were going to bat for how vital bringing LeMahieu back would be for the team. Like, 
like all you hear from the Carlson games, like, yeah, it, it would be great. Like we'd love Wayno and Yachty. Like we'd love to have them back. Like that's all anyone hears about. Like who else they want to bring in? What, what if you don't do those guys who, who else do you want to see being a Cardinals uniform? Like what? I, I just don't get it. Like how great would it be to add like a Chris Archer into the pitching rotation? You know, like why, why can't the Cardinals be in on that shit? You know, something along those lines, like who, they just aren't advocating for anybody. So when a name like this goes off the board and seemingly a relatively reasonable deal and it checks so many boxes, it just sucks that like, it seems that the team's content. They're like, meh, we weren't, we didn't really care. You know yeah. I, mean? I wonder, I wonder what this also does for like a Colton Wong market, you know, that he said he was going to be worth $12 million. Jerickson Profar only signs first, you know, Seven million dollars a year. Does that like? Wonder what that does to Cold Wong's value. Yeah, can't help it along with the Lemayhu deal. Yeah, definitely can't. Yeah, Lemayhu <laughs> only took fifteen. Yeah, took kind of like dog shit money for real for who he is. Jerson Profar took a pretty team friendly deal, but like had yeah, no, really side to like be like he's young still. Like he's. Uh, only what twenty seven or something like something that. Something like that. Yeah, like, I, and I don't. And to be fair, like I don't know what he made last year with the Padres. I, I'm bringing it up right now just to see like how great of a deal that that is. Um, so it's a little bit of a raise for him actually. Um, he made five point seven million in San Diego last year on a one year deal. Um, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six. Yeah, so he had signed in 2019. He signed 3.6 million, uh, one-year deal with Oakland. Then that was his first first year of free agency after being with Texas for the six years. Then signed 5.7 million, and then signed 7 million a year. So it's a little bit of a raise for him, um, and it's a three-year deal. Um, so I guess it's it's to be expected going in the right direction for him um probably hard to pass it up but i would think then like if you're gonna offer him yo a million and some change more than what he was making last year like he'd probably be willing to accept that in most places Mm. but and again like not not that they didn't check in um and he's getting ready to turn 28 um he's currently right now uh yeah uh spot track shows him as 27 years, 340 days old. So, what, middle of February, early February? So, as as spring training is hopefully getting ready to start, he'll be turning 28. Um, he did, His agent is Scott Boris, so maybe there's that, but... He'll be, he'll be getting another deal when he's about to turn 31. Right. Um, and so it's just, it's... Like to me, I think it seems extremely reasonable. And again, we'll never know if the Cardinals checked in or not. But typically, when they're when that's the case, or a team's throwing a name around, that shit gets reported on. Um, mm-hmm. Like when I when I hear about like some of the like we can tie this into like the last little section that we have for the hot stove, which is the rumors section, where I just went through and looked to see like, hey, what rumors can I find? What are people talking about? Um, and so I'd mentioned that the, the Cubs apparently weren't necessarily done uh, trading away some of their key pieces. 
um, is that apparently the Blue Jays are in talks with the Cubs to land Chris Bryant, uh, Chris Bryant, and Kyle Hendricks. So if that if that deal were to actually come to fruition and take place, then they would have Darvish, Lester, uh, Quintana, Hendricks, all missing from their rotation from last year. And I like if if I've seen anything like look at the Boston Red Sox of last year where they only had Nathan Eovaldi returning as a starting pitcher, and their starting pitching was absolutely atrocious. Uh, and there's a reason why they finished almost dead last in the AL. So you could see the Cubs easily go from like, I would say first to worst, but the Pittsburgh Pirates still exist in the NL Central, and that is 100% who will finish at the bottom. Um, if the Cubs send Chris Bryant to Toronto, dude, oh man. Yeah. The Cardinals will be so good next year. Yeah, Cardinals will definitely win the Central if Bryant and Hendricks leave Chicago. Um, I guess depending on what else happens. I'm um, saying Milwaukee. I think the team to really catch us, but man, gotta love watching Chicago Cubs and blood. Yeah. yeah, I I I do think that Milwaukee. It's probably even at this point, it's probably between Milwaukee and uh, St. Louis. If Cincinnati ends up coming up as like a big player and like say they bring Bauer back or something like that, then I could see them being in the mix. But given that like the rumors that they're you know entertaining like dealing Sonny Gray and they're entertaining dealing Luis Castillo and like they've already parted ways with the Glacius and like yeah. they're listening to offers for like Castellanos and you know Moustakis and these guys like that they're they're seemingly leaning more towards the rebuild um, everyone they just got yeah but then but then there's just also all these guys trying to rebuild we're yeah. gonna do it again like then there but there's also talk of like them being interested in uh and adding some guys like Gregorius or Marcus Simeon uh, to, you know, improve their shortstop to, you know, so they'd have like Vado, uh, Eugenio Suarez. Um, they have Tucker Barnhart behind the plate. Who's a gold glove winner. Um, Castellanos. They got Jesse Winker. Like they, they have a decent offense. Their pitching staff wasn't too great last year. And now they've lost Bauer already. Most likely. And then they have Iglesias gone out of their bullpen, and their bullpen was a big sore spot last year. Um, but it was their offense that just disappeared that really killed them. Um, and Milwaukee also had like an abysmal year offensively, and they're returning most of the same players. So if they get even like a somewhat better, I like Christian Yelich is still considered like the best, um, like the best right fielder in baseball. Um, or maybe maybe they have him playing left field. I don't know. He's still one of the better players in the game, and he he absolutely sucked last year. So yeah. Um. So I think Milwaukee will just be better because of the law of averages. But the NL Central as an entirety is certainly much worse in 2021 than what it has been in quite some time, in my opinion. Yeah, and the Brewers are kind of like the Cardinals. You don't see them out here like severaging player like you know hemorrhaging players but you also don't see them out here making any moves so like they're gonna have about the same team they had last year um whereas everyone else in the in the division has just been eliminating positions left and right yeah Um, promoted customer yeah uh so other than that um some of the things that i threw down uh were some of the norms and then some just like some 
more marquee level players. That was interesting. Um, apparently the, the giants are in the mix looking at like they're showing interest in uh, free agent, uh, Eddie Rosario and Jackie Bradley jr. Um, made note of I this like cause they're, Bradley. yeah, they're, uh, they're another like NL bubble team potentially looking to upgrade for 2021. Um, they only missed the playoffs last year due to tiebreakers. Like they had the same record as the Brewers. Um, so they were technically tied for eighth in the NL. So they were right there, just sub 500, which is pretty decent. If you consider that they played majority of their games against the NL West, which included the Dodgers and the Padres. Um, granted, it also included the Rockies and the Diamondbacks. But, I mean, the, the you know, having Houston, Oakland, San Diego, LA, and that being a bulk of, like, who you played. Um, the Angels were better, but still not that great. Same with, like, Texas. Same with um, Seattle. So it makes sense that they finished around 500, like someone has to win, but being right there on the cusp and you played 20 of your 60 games or what you played everyone in their division, you played, yeah, 10 games against your division, right? Yeah. For 40 games. Yeah. So Mm. 20 of their 60 games were against the Dodgers and the Padres, like the two best teams in the NL. That was one third of your games and you finished around 500. So can't be mad about that. And they're looking at making additions. Why I find that relevant is like we've talked about before. It just makes it more likely that if the Cardinals don't win the central, they won't make the playoffs. Um, so where oh, yeah. teams that didn't make the playoffs last year, um, even in the expanded eight team playoffs, like the Mets, um, the Nationals, the Giants, they're all looking at getting better. Um, obviously, once like the Reds will free up a spot, the Cubs will probably free up a spot. But it seems increasingly more likely that it just goes back to 10 teams make the playoffs. So there's only the two wildcard spots and the top team from each division, which means one of those wildcard spots belongs to either L.A. or San Diego. So you're really probably fighting for one other spot with now San Francisco, the Mets, the Nationals. Um, So you just got to win the Central most likely, or you're probably missing the playoffs. Um, Trevor Bauer, who we'll get into some more information about him in a second, but Mets and Angels are still the team, the guys tied to him. Um, Toronto apparently looking at adding not only being tied to Chris Bryant and Kyle Hendricks, there's also apparently like they're in talks with James Paxton and looking at adding in Drelton Simmons. So it looks like they're essentially just trying to add a, a guy to the left side of the infield and a starting pitcher. Um, I would imagine they wouldn't add all four of those guys, but um, could be there. Uh San Francisco and the Blue Jays are tied to Jake Odorizzi, who's like the number two starting pitching out there in terms of free agent availability behind Trevor Bauer. Uh, we talked about earlier that um, Atlanta is reportedly shopping around D'Arno, potentially to make room for a spot for Real Muto. Um, and then Minnesota has upped their one-year offer to Nelson Cruz. Didn't say how much it was, but... I think 
to me, I feel like they're because I I wrote this earlier in the day, and now we found out other information since then. But I wrote it with the mindset that I was like, oh, if Minnesota if Minnesota is reportedly up to their one year offer to Cruz, it is likely that they believe there is the a decision coming on the Universal DH. So they were trying to solidify that deal before 15 other teams got into the, the market for him. Um, as we'll get into a little bit later, that didn't end up being the case. But, you know, we'll, we'll see if it, if it goes that route. Um, any other rumors, free agent moves, trades, or anything that you saw that I didn't touch on that you thought were interesting or relevant? No, no. Yeah, I tried no. to hit the like anything that like was either the big really name guys or our or teams that were relevant to us, to our yeah. teams, because our yeah, teams I really aren't related to shit anymore. anymore. Yeah, but not the small ones. So yeah, I think I'm good on those. I don't think I have right. more. Um, so moving on, um, like we just talked about, still no news really regarding rules for the 2021 season. Um. Again, I so this is the portion that I wrote, bef, you know, before we we learned what we know now. So, um, so when I was writing this this morning, there was still no news regarding rules for 2021, or it might even have been last night that I was writing this. I don't know. Um, so still no news regarding the rules for 2021. So I pose as like, is the the quiet? Does it mean that negotiations are actually peaceful? and they're waiting to finalize things before going public? Or is this simply like the calm before the storm? And, you know, it's shit's about to hit the fan, and they really aren't talking about anything, and no one can agree to anything, and shit's going to go south. So then, fast forward to earlier today, maybe what, just a couple hours ago, five, six hours ago or so, uh, John Heyman reports on Twitter that the MLB owners had offered an addendum to the MLBPA to allow the universal DH in exchange for expanded playoffs. And the players union rejected that offer. So it didn't go into much into like, like what that meant. My assumption would be that it, uh, like maybe like the playoff pool money didn't like add up or whatever. So it was just like, you know, they didn't see it as a fair give and take or something along those lines. Um, but for whatever reason, the players union rejected accepting the universal DH, but in turn would have the expanded playoffs. Um, so even on something that I thought was a pretty simple decision that like, Hey, let's just get this done. The expanded playoffs for one more year or something we discussed last year, the universal DH was something that Ike was pretty widely anticipated seemed to go over pretty well among players and everything anyway. And we plan on it being negotiated this way in the CBA following this season. So let's just roll with it. And the players union was like, now nah, we're good. Not gonna worry about it. So I don't know if it's like, a, like if their stance would be if 16 teams make the league, so little over half of the league makes the playoffs, then teams are going to be less inclined to spend money and therefore we will, you know, be taking money and jobs away from some players because they don't need to add those key guys because half the league goes. 
or like what what the deal is but i think it's just more of a testament to how far apart the two sides actually are and how how little concern there seems to be for the betterment of major league baseball yeah and this is i i mean this is all the uh i mean the commissioner's fault like the you are supposed to give the owners em, employ you so like you are supposed to make them happy but it's also your job to grow the game for the better so it lasts another like you know 50 or 100 years um yeah they pay you we're kind of like we're pretty impartial to like oh let's just make sure my boss is taken care of like you're not like it's your job to present them with a, Hey, if we don't do this this way, or if we don't like do things this way, you know, our projections show this, or we could get more fan attendance this way, or you could actually make more money doing this. Like, like a lot of other sports, like the NFL, like I don't like the NFL um, leader, but like they make money, money hand over fist. And you know, the players are mad sometimes, but for the most part they get paid and, they're all right. Baseball is the only one that seems to just be in this constant argument of like, well, wait until the CBA comes up. <laughs> right. We're gonna we're gonna negotiate in that CBA. Yeah, I mean, in, in the wake in the wake of the same pandemic, the like in comparison, the NHL halted their season in the home stretch for the playoff run, then agreed to terms to to expand the playoff field and play a pretty unique style of playoff hockey. Um, they bubbled for the entirety of the playoffs and then they started up the season slightly later than they expected. I think like it was pretty overzealous initially, I think it was like early December when the Stanley cup finals ended in September, I felt like they knew like, okay, this isn't going to be viable. Um, so they're like the beginning of the year. And I think hockey started what, maybe like the second week of January, something like that season has been going on for like, two weeks now something along those lines um yeah. i think the blues have played six games at this point and it's usually like two a week right around that i, I know they play vegas tomorrow and thursday so it's like a two-game series every time they get together and it, it's fine like they they've made it work but on top of that like they redrew the divisions that exist within the league so like all of the canadian teams are in the same division um, so you're playing across the, the country up there, like teams that are on the East Coast are playing regular games against teams that are on the West. So like they had to travel further in Canada than they normally would have. Um, the Blues are dealing with, you know, being out West in the redrawing, but the teams out West were willing to negotiate and, you know, they play their, they agreed to play some of the games out there a little earlier than normal. The Blues agreed to play some of the games here a little later than normal to try to accommodate for a TV audience and stuff like that. Since you aren't going to have fans in the crowd, you you could eventually have fans in the crowd, so they aren't changed so much that they can't be attended. But everyone worked together for what was the betterment of NHL hockey. You know, like just whatever promotes the game and puts the puts the league in the best spot to be successful that's what the players want to do and that's what the owners want to do and they made shit happen and during all of this have already agreed to just extend their cba which i think was supposed to expire after like the, 
another season or two and they extended it for like five years or whatever they're just like yeah we're good with where things are at let's just agree to do this maybe they added some addendums for like how the pandemic will work but a big part of it is that the the player money isn't a huge concern because of the salary cap being tied to league re- league revenue so the more successful the league is the more money players make and the mlb is like the only league that isn't that way and it causes a problem because people are greedy assholes yeah um so speaking of the future of the game and the game potentially kind of being ruined at this point because greed is running rampant in the league um I at least just wanted to call note. We've talked about a few in the past, um, but I made note of all of the Hall of Famers that passed away during the 2020 timeframe and then so far this year. And it's a ton. Like, there's a lot of dudes that have passed. Um, maybe maybe it's like uh, it's telling. Like, you know, you hear stories all the time with, like, oh, like, you know, like my, my grandpa was in fine health, you know, while my, my grandma was dealing with some illnesses. And then as soon as she passed, just like my grandpa's health, like deteriorated, you know, it's like dying of a broken heart, you know, like they're just like that one thing that kept you here just no longer was there. What like your, your rock, your anchor wasn't there anymore. And their, their health just drops so fast. It's, it's insane. You hear stories about it all the time. So it's like, maybe it's the same concept. There's like, the game we like gave our life to like this huge piece of who I am is being ruined. So before I see it hit rock bottom, like I just can't hold on anymore. And these guys passed. That's deep, dude. It could, deep. could be. Dude. I was like, man, fucking Rob Manfred responsible for all these deaths, all of famers. But like when I put the list together, dude, I like, it's it's some good guys. Like uh, Lou Brock, Whitey Ford, Bob Gibson, Al Kaline, Joe Morgan, Phil Necro, uh, Tom Seaver, uh, Don Larson's not a Hall of Famer, but obviously through the only perfect game in postseason history, and he's a Yankee, so had to give him a shout out. And then even so far this year, like Tommy Lasorda, Don Sutton, and then most recently Hank Aaron. So it's just hard times for you know the legends that everyone had respect for not being around. Um, and Manfred over here just fucking shit in the bed, doing what's best for baseball. Um, it also just shows how, like how many like of that era, like how many just great players were of that era. Like we're, we are getting to a point that like these players are getting old and like and, and some of them were were uh, pretty old age. Like I think uh, like some of them were like in their eighties, nineties. Yeah, yeah, like ninety yeah. four like, is like ninety one or something like that. Yeah. Um, so it seems like a lot of them are from like natural causes and stuff like that. Luckily it's like, no, like horrible, like, oh, they went too young. Obviously it's never a good thing when someone passes away, but if they can do so peacefully, you know, or like they were battling a, a, a you know, an illness that's known to kill people, but they beat it for a really long time. Um, that kind of shit. Like luckily, like none of them were that horrible, you know, like, no, like, he was murdered or, you know, like Kobe Bryant situation where he died in a helicopter accident. You know, you got players that die, like plane crashes. Or like, that. like luckily none of them went out in like ways that seemingly could have been avoided. It just seemed like 
their time to go type deals. So there's at least that yeah. going for him. I just like to blame Manfred because I feel like he's ruining the game that I love so much and it pisses me off. So I'm going to pile on, kick a horse while he's down. Um, you do you, man. I ain't <laughs> so speaking of the MLB doing things that make no sense, we also had a last minute addition for this week that the Cactus League, uh, Bridget, like, Bursch, Bauer, or something like that, I forget what her last name is, uh, but came out and said, uh, or it was reported that the Cactus League wrote a letter to Manfred um, requesting to delay spring training due to Maricopa County's high COVID infection rate. Um, yep. Per the article, they prefer a mid-March start instead of mid-February. Um, the key parts, like the MLB has all the power, like the castle, the Cactus League has no say in delaying anything. They just get to be like, hey, you tell us when people are going to be here and we'll host you and it'll be fine. Um, the cited reason for it is, I guess, like there's scientific predictions, um, you know, that they're they're trying to gauge like what the infection rate will look like. Um, in mid-February, that area there, it's like going to be like 9,700 um, daily infections is like the projected rate. But by mid-March, they expect that to drop down to like a third of that. It's like somewhere mm-hmm. in like the 3,000s. So they're like, it just would be responsible that this is what we do. And like they did their due diligence. I think they said, like the article was reading, there's like six mayors, like, to like lead townspeople like a, a lot of people that signed off on it the one i did see someone's tweet i forgot who it was but it was like if you want to know one telling thing from the maricopa county story look at the mayor of maricopa county signature on it currently because they're allowing the arizona coyotes to play nhl games with fans in the stands uh, in the same town they're talking about um wanting to delay spring training Gotcha. I, yeah. I did not see that. That That's pretty funny. Well, it's not funny, but it, yes, I think that is telling. Um, I do think that it's interesting that Florida has been like a hotbed for COVID activity since really all this started. Um, like they've gotten a ton of heat over all of this. Um, and there hasn't been anything said about the delaying of the Grapefruit League, which obviously that's where that's located. Yeah. Um, and then on the flip side of that, there was an additional report that came out later this evening that that same president um, said that they would be ready to safely host the league, whether it's in mid-February or mid-March. Like, it wouldn't make a difference. They'd be ready either way. And so, for me, it's like, well, if you can be ready to (laughs) safely support them in mid-February, why do you need to delay it? Yeah, yeah, but you're talking about a state of Florida who, uh, like, had a warrant out for the arrest of a data scientist for sharing COVID information because she was saying the state was covering up information. So she shared the information that was like raw data or something. They're like, they've arrested her. They like stormed her house. Now like she had to turn herself in and crap. Like this is what kind of state we're talking about here. You know, like, yeah, they don't give a fuck. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, yeah. The great state of Florida COVID does not exist. They're ready to go. They were ready to go when, you know, it, it first started. So Yeah, they're like, spring break, oh. baby. Let's do it. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much, yeah. 
Rum Springer. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so um, the so two two more topics. I'll throw this one out there. I want to get more into this one, but I will we'll move it to next week so we have some time to prepare. But I'll I'll throw it out there. Um, so the Athletic posted an article earlier today. Um, it's behind a paywall for anyone that wants to go read it because the athletic sucks. Um, but, uh, so regarding like potential expansion targets for the MLB that rumors are kind of surrounding. So apparently long story short, back in 2018, Manfred had said that there was like a list of quote unquote finalists for like what they were considering, uh, for cities that the MLB could expand to. Um, they specify expansion. I don't know if expansion and relocation would go hand in hand. Cause there's like a lot of talks of like Tampa Bay trying to find a different home. Um, shit like that. Like there's a few teams that are struggling, uh, and whatnot. Um, I know there's been talk of like, I know Miami just got a new stadium not too long ago, but there's talks of like them leaving from Miami, whatever. But anyway, so they threw out a list of, I think it is six cities that were on the list. Uh, four in the U.S., two in Canada, um, and it was Portland, Oregon, uh, Charlotte, North Carolina, Nashville, Tennessee, Las Vegas, Nevada in the U.S., and then Vancouver in uh, Canada, and Montreal in Canada. Um, I think Vancouver's in British Columbia, technically, and that, and I think it's Montreal, Quebec, I think is where it is. Um I could be wrong though. Quebec might be a city as well. I'm really bad with provinces in Canada. Um, but so what, what I want to think on is if they were to expand, so you would assume they would want to try to keep it even. Um, so there's currently 30 teams, 15 in each league. If they were to expand, so say they add two more teams going to 32, and you would look at a scenario where there's like 16 teams in each league. What is that? Like who, who do you think would be the, the best fits for, for your two cities for your expansion? And what does that do for like the divisional makeup? Um, and that, you know, would you go more like the NFL with four divisions of four teams, or are you going to go more of like the NHL route where it's, you know, four divisions total with eight teams in each division? Um, you can redraw whatever um, we like, you can get rid of the American league, national league borders, come up with whatever you want, but I wanted to take some time, think on it. We can talk about it next week. Like if the league were to expand adding two cities, what are your pitches for those cities? Where would you place them? And what does the league look like after that? Does that make sense? Did I lose you? Did you fall asleep? Oh, no. Apparently, my microphone muted. I sneezed. I thought I unmuted it, and I didn't. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, yeah, it makes sense. And then, so, any any listeners out there, um, I know there's been a handful of people that have talked to me about the podcast. So, if you assholes are listening, you can email us. You can hit us up on the Twitters. Or just, you know, if you know me and Chris personally. Yeah. All you interleaguers, all you interleaguers yeah, out the interleaguers there. All out there. Show us why you're the BFIP. Um, yep. Best yeah. of them podcast. Yeah. So, and 
or maybe you have a pitch for a different city. Like maybe you think that, you know, baseball would thrive somewhere not on that list. Um, but those six cities are, are yours for the taking. Um, you know, do, do what you do, have fun with it, come up with something crazy and let us know and we'll discuss them. We'll, we'll set aside some time cause there probably won't be a whole lot going on, uh, in the world of baseball for the Cardinals and Yankees next week. Um, so we'll see. So that leaves us with one topic. And one topic to rule them all. It's a doozy. So, uh, everyone knows that, uh, we have former friend of the podcast. We talk about him all the time. We've hyped him up quite a bit. Pretty big hype. Pretty we big like, hype, man. We like what he has to say. Yeah. We like his approach. And we're talking about one Trevor Bauer. And it's not anything against him. He didn't do anything rude or ignorant or anything that I feel he should be shunned for. But what I do feel that he's doing that's probably inaccurate is he's pushing to be like the next Garrett Cole and Steven Strasburg in terms of getting paid. Rumors are that he wants to sign a deal that has like the highest annual uh, average annual value of any major league contract, which I think Cole's is like 36 million a year. So Bauer wants more than that. He's had a stellar year, phenomenal numbers, Awesome stuff. Won the Cy Young in the NL. Bet on himself. Hit. Big time. Boom. So Chris and I have had a couple conversations with why he probably hasn't signed. And I think Chris kind of hit on it first where he started to talk like he hasn't signed because maybe there's got to be something up. Like maybe, you know, maybe people just don't understand spin rate, I think is what you told us. <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah. yeah, they don't, they don't understand his analytics. You know, yeah. he's, Come at him with too many numbers. Yeah, so it's, so it's a bit are. much. That we're like, well, as we were talking about it, joking around, we're like, maybe he's trying too hard. Like, maybe he's like that that chick that just desperately wants to find a date to the dance. So she's just kind of letting everybody know, dropping hints to everybody. Like, hey, I don't have a date to the dance yet. Like, we could go. I'm available. Like, yeah, I'm available. Mm-hmm. Are you going to the dance? Like, I would love to go to the dance, but no one's asked me yet. So we're like, maybe he's just trying too hard. So then... I had it dawn upon me. I was like, you know what? Like we rag on the NL central all the time and we're coming off of a year where the, the, the schedule wasn't exactly what it normally is. So I was curious. Um, the AL central had some good teams, but the, the low end and the tigers and the Royals was pretty shit. Um, and then the, NL Central was full of mediocre offenses at best. So I was like, man, like I really wonder what his opponent matchups look like. Like what, what was he, what was he dealing with? And I am going to say here and now that I 100% believe, whereas I think Trevor Bauer is a good pitcher. I don't think that he is nearly as good as what, or not nearly, I don't think he is as good as his numbers came out to be. And I think that he won the Cy Young in 2020 because of the product that 2020 was. Um, Had he faced, had he faced opponents that were different than what he had actually got matched up against in the scenarios in which he did, then you, you might look at something different. So, real quick, at a glance, he made 11 starts. 
Um, he finished the year six and five, which record is a, a, a pitcher's win loss record is more of an indicator of the kind of run support he gets. A pitcher could let up five runs and win a game. He could let up one run and lose a game. So wins losses don't go a long way. But if you're winning more often than you're losing, odds are you're you're having good performances. Yeah, and your um, ERA is probably lower, I'd imagine. Right. Yeah. So um, his ERA was amazing, 1.73. Um, he struck out 100 guys in um, 73 innings. Uh, so, so, so good numbers in that regard. He gave up nine home runs on the year. Cool. Awesome. Makes, makes sense. Gave up, um, like 14 earned runs all season. Good. All of these good things. So I was like, let's really dig into this. Um, he, one, one thing I did like about it is 10 of his 11 starts. He pitched six innings or more. Um, the one start he didn't was against the Chicago Cubs. Um, he pitched five and a third and even there, like he let up four hit, like three runs on four hits and he gave up two home runs. Um, so just seemed like, you know, gave up a couple home runs with some guys on base or with a guy on base. Not the greatest. I mean, three runs, obviously two of them scored on the home runs at minimum. Not not great, but not terrible outing. No. So, in the grand scheme of things, though, he faced, in his 11 starts, the Milwaukee Brewers three times, which we just were talking about how terrible their offense was for most of the year. Um, they really were carried by their pitching staff as a lot of their regulars completely underperformed. So, Milwaukee did not have a good offense. That was three of his 11 starts. He faced the Detroit Tigers twice, which their offense was also pretty terrible. Um, he faced the Pittsburgh the Pittsburgh Pirates twice, which were arguably one of the worst teams in baseball. Um, and he faced the Chicago Cubs twice, which they had a pretty decent team. They, they performed fairly well, mainly because they beat up on the NL Central, and that's why they won the division. So... They were swept out in the first round of the playoffs like everybody else in, from the NL Central, so whatever. Um, and then he, he faced the Royals once, and he faced the White Sox once. So the Royals also, not that great of a team. So in all of that, he didn't play the Indians at all, who had one of the best pitching staffs in baseball last year. He didn't face the Twins at all, who had one of the best offenses in baseball last year. And he only faced the White Sox in one of his 11 starts, who had one of the better offenses in baseball. Um, the one start he had against the White Sox, he went seven innings, let up two runs, only struck out five. The two runs he gave up were both home runs. So two solo home runs. So whatever. Um, he pitched two shutouts, like complete game shutouts. Both of those complete game shutouts were seven innings and double headers. One was against the Royals. One was against the Tigers. Um, Nice, horrible teams. Yeah. Um, Then he went seven innings against the the White Sox uh, in the game he lost there. So again, like, good outing. They lost 5-0, so the bullpen, you know, let up more runs after the fact. Um, 
He pitched eight innings against the Brewers in the last start of the, in his last start of the season on the 23rd of September, um, which I think at that point was like I don't want to say they were throwaway games because obviously Milwaukee tied for the last playoff spot, so that was a big outing. Um, but when when push comes to shove, like he didn't really face a good offense. Um, he also didn't face the Cardinals at all. So where we say like, he only faced White Sox once, he didn't face the Indians, he didn't face the Twins, he also didn't face the Cardinals. Their offense admittedly wasn't all that great, but the Cardinals did have a good pitching staff and they were an above 500 team. So of the teams he didn't play at all, all three of them made the playoffs and he didn't start against any of them. So of his 11 starts, one, two, three, four, five, six, or one, two, three, two, three, four, five were against teams that didn't make the playoffs, and eight of his 11 starts were against teams that finished below 500. So, it's not good. Yeah, it's like when eight of your 11 starts were against losing teams it makes sense that your numbers were pretty stellar. Now, granted, like there, there are probably other guys that had that same scenario. Um, a hundred strikeouts. They didn't win tonight. Right. Um, so their numbers yeah. may not have been as good, but I, I and I haven't, I haven't done the math. Like, I don't know. I guess we could look real quick. Like who Darvish faced is like the number two. Um, what his, uh, game logs look like here we go uh so he made 12 starts um let's see at a glance he faced the cardinals twice uh he faced milwaukee twice pittsburgh once and cincinnati twice so most of the the nl central teams which makes sense um, he also faced the White Sox twice, uh, Minnesota once, and Cleveland once, uh, as well as the Royals. So I think he played everybody at Cleveland, Minnesota, White Sox. Yeah, he got a fair second, everybody. Uh, so he, he didn't face Detroit. So he, the only team he didn't face was Detroit. Um, he also went at least six innings in all but one game. The one game he didn't go six innings in uh, was the very first start. Um, of the year for him is game two um, and it was against the Brewers uh, he went four innings uh, gave up three runs on six hits and uh, they took the loss in that game they lost eight to three um, he finished uh, his record on the year was nine or was eight and three um, the Cubs went nine and three in games that he started so he got a decision in most of them I actually looked at Bauer's numbers wrong. Bauer finished five and four. The Reds went six and five in games started by him. Um, ERAs, Bauer was 1.73. Darvis was 2.01. Um, again, Bauer struck out 100 guys in 73 innings. Darvis struck out 93 guys in 76 innings. Um, I think he had... Uh, Darvish walked less guys in more innings. Um, he faced more batters than Bauer did, which he pitched more innings. That makes sense. But 
like so I, so I think like statistically they're pretty negligible but Darvish faced in my opinion a much tougher list of opponents than Bauer did um both pitch in a relatively hitter friendly ballpark um nine of Darvish's 12 starts were um at home of his starts on the road one of them was at Cincinnati and the other one was against the White Sox also in Chicago um which also has a relatively it's a relatively hitter friendly ballpark um whereas Bauer pitched six of his 11 games on the road um one at Wrigley, one at Pittsburgh, two at Milwaukee, one at Kansas City, one in Detroit. Um, so most of his starts were not in Cincinnati, whereas most of Darvish's starts were at Wrigley. Again, win-loss is, you know, obviously the Cubs had a better team, but ERA, pretty negligible difference. Strikeouts per innings pitched, pretty accurate, like pretty close. But Darvish faced much better opponents, in my opinion. So I I could see someone making the argument that Darvish likely should have won the Cy Young over Bauer in the NL. Based yeah, on Darvish's spin rate's just <laughs> it's been, good. His spin so. rate is his spin rate is lower. Um, trying to see if I don't think that they mark that it's a. Um, like that it was a double header or anything um, or like a complete game even unless it was a shutout which doesn't look like he had any of those um, but yeah it, it's it's interesting because so the Cubs like they struggled in September a little bit um, I think at that point it's just because they had, you know, the, the division was pretty much locked up. Um, but there was like a stretch of three starts and it was against Cincinnati, um, which was actually a start against Bauer, um, and then against Cleveland and then against Minnesota and, um, they like Darvish let up three runs against Cincinnati, took the loss. Chicago lost three to nothing. Um, he let up two runs over seven innings against Cleveland, and then he let up four runs over six innings against Minnesota. And the um, the Cubs also got shut out in that game. They lost four to nothing. So that stretch, like he let up. 17 runs all year and nine of them were in those three games which were you know between september 9th and september 20th so if you take out like those three starts or he performed a little better you know it'd be fine so i guess maybe you could give the nod to bauer because he beat darvish straight up like they face each other and bauer you know bauer's team won Um, bauer did strike out 10 over seven and two thirds in that game. Um, so he had some good outings, but I think it, it isn't as cut and dry. Like, Oh, Trevor Bauer, best pitcher in the NL hands down last year. I think you can make an argument that Darvish could have won the Cy Young as well. Um, 
And I think it, it goes to show that, you know, the Padres probably could have signed Bauer and not dealt for Darvish, but they opted to trade for Darvish instead of signing Bauer. Um, and I think that that's, that's probably the reason why, is that they view Darvish as the better pitcher, which I, I think is reasonable. And Darvish is over here forgetting that he gets a million dollars for like <laughs> even true. that's true. Coming you could close totally to just not, yeah, you, you know, like that's the kind of guy you want. He's just going out there to pitch every day. Yeah, yeah. Every day Trevor Bauer wakes up, he's like, "How do I get another follower today? How do I make more money today than I had yesterday?" Which I mean, good on you. Continue to do that, but it just. It's just for me, it just gets a little old after a while. It was like fun when it first started. And it was like, okay, cool. This is different. Like a guy that's outspoken. And then like the more like teams are just smarter than that, right? Like they're not just like, well, we're just going to let the best pitcher in baseball sit there with no team, you know? Like, right. No way. <laughs> that just doesn't happen. Like people that are supposed to get paid their money, even through a pandemic, are they're going to get their money one way or another. Um, so either a, you're getting offered and you are so far out of the ballpark that like teams have stopped offering you or nobody is offering you any money because again, your initial want and expectations is so far out of the water. So a little bit of this falls on your agent, Rachel Luba for again, like I think we talked earlier today in a different work scenario, like setting reasonable expectations. Um, and then being able to deliver on reasonable expectations through negotiations. Um, so I, I think she allows him to be out there a little too much. Um, and maybe it just needs to be reined in. Maybe we're wrong. Maybe he signs next week for more money than we've ever seen. But I highly doubt the man's getting more money than Garrett Cole got. So, and if he does, sure. good on him. Yeah, good on idiot. him. I hope yeah. it's the Boston Red Sox. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hope it's the Boston Red Sox. Yeah, because like looking looking at Bauer's career numbers, so um, he's made uh, 195 starts. He's 75 and 64 in those. He has a 3.9 ERA. Um, he's thrown like just under 1,200 innings, 1,190, um, and he has like um, like 1,279 strikeouts. Uh, Strikeouts per nine is like 9.7, which is pretty good. Um, walks per nine is 3.4, which I think is relatively high. But even if you look at it like individually by season, his 2020 campaign, which again, it was only, you know, 11 starts. So who knows what would have happened? I don't know if he notoriously gets off to a slower start. Like maybe he he would have had some rough going like in cold weather. Um, I mean, he pitched in Cleveland for a lot of years, and the weather there is, you know, pretty normal to the Mideast or to the to the Midwest. Um, he's, you know, in the central, like, uh, like they're in the, he's in the same state, like Cincinnati and Cleveland. So I don't know that any of that would have made a big difference. Um, but he's always been right around a 500 pitcher, and he's only finished a season with below a four ERA one other time. And that was in 2018 uh, with Cleveland. He made 27 starts um, through 175 innings and finished with a 2.21 ERA. Um, was an all-star that year, and he finished sixth in Cy Young voting in, in the AL. Um, other than that, like his like 
his next best year is like right like he's a couple years it's all like 4.18 4.19 type eras he's always been like 150 to 190 inning type guy um you know he hit 200 innings for the first time in 2019 and it's just like the, oh, I want to pitch every fourth game rather than every fifth game. My spin rate and my effectiveness is all this and that. Um, so who who knows? Um, yeah, who, who wants to deal with that? Yeah, like, yeah, it, it just, like, I, I don't know. I don't know what is, you know, how, how great his year would have looked had he made another 25 starts, or not 25, another... Uh, like another 20 starts or so. The same could be said for Darvish, but the track record for Darvish to have strong years is there. Um, and like I said, like, like you were just talking about, yeah. if if everyone was so high on Bauer, he wouldn't just be sitting out there in free agency. Um, you know, it, it would be, he would have been picked up um, already, which makes sense. But again, like, so you could... You have guys that had similar type years. One's going to cost you prospects. The other one is just going to cost you money, but you're going to pay them both. I mean, it's not like Darvish is making minimal money. Um, I'll get that number real quick right now. Um, he signed, it was a six-year, $126 million deal. So he's owed $22 million in 21. 19 million in 22 and 18 million in 23. So you figure, call it for simple math, just call it 20 million a year. If you bring Bauer in for that amount, which seemingly Bauer wants more than that, granted, um, I don't even know what Bauer made last year. I'm surprised it's, he doesn't talk about it all the time or something. Um, it looks like he signed one year 17 and a half million. Um, yeah, so one year, 17 and a half million and like so got through, paid more than a million dollars a game last year. Yeah. And, and so at the end of the year, John Heyman, who MLB network usually reports on pretty good stuff. Uh, it was reported then that Bauer was looking for a five or six year deal worth 36 to $40 million a year annually. Um, that would amount to a contract neighborhood of like 180 to $240 million. So he, he wants Garrett Cole money or above when you have a guy that put up the same kind of numbers that's at twenty million, but you want you want half like you want double that of money. And so it made sense that the Padres were like, Yeah, no thanks. Like what we have that here. Um I guess right. you're gonna face the Dodgers a bunch of times, you know? Like Right. And in comparison, like Garrett Cole hasn't had like he's had above um so he's eight years in in the in the league he's had above a three ERA only four times um he's had above a four ERA once and um 2018 he had a 2.88 ERA which is the highest ERA he's had in the the last three years um he's pitched 200 innings or more four times. Um, you know, he struck out 326 guys last year or in 2019, 94 strikeouts. So he's like right there in strikeout numbers like the other guys. Um, you know, just, 
like just just the, the output like the dominance is there and that it doesn't track with bauer it's like i don't know why he thinks he's going to get that amount of money um but i will say that like trevor bauer and you don't have gary cole out here talking about his spin rate and his yeah, yeah. Like, gary cole ain't talking about here is advanced analytics he's out here like i win games like they pay yeah, me what i'm worth of, like cool if you want to pay i yeah he he looked you know, put the team on his back, tried to carry him as far as he could into the playoffs when the rest of the rotation was falling apart, made starts on short rest. I think he pitched on three days rest at one point. Um, you know, just did what needed to be done to try to win games. Uh, Tyler Glass now did the same thing where he started on like two days rest or something ridiculous. Uh, so yeah, so I, it, it just, it doesn't make sense. Like, yeah, if Trevor Bauer is only going to start against, you know, NL central opponents, pay that dude like pay that man some money you know he owns the nl central yeah like if it's gonna be another year like if they delay and they play a shortened season and it's just divisional opponents you know whoever wants to win the central just go out and pick up trevor bauer because he owned nl central batters yeah, last gonna, year he'll win, he'll win you, you another hey, he's a cy young winner in the central yeah. win another nl central cy young um but yeah i'm a firm believer that that's that's where it is and that's why he's still sitting out there um, so it wouldn't surprise me to see guys like, you know, Jake Odorizzi, um, shit, even like Arietta is still out there. Cole Hamels is still out there. Um, I know I've, I've talked about like Tywan Walker, Chris Archer. Like it wouldn't surprise me to see some of these guys come off the market before Bauer signs somewhere. Um, because I, I don't think Bauer is worth 36 to $40 million a year. Um, I think the only way a team should do that is if they're going to do what Bauer wants to do. And it's a one year deal. Like, cool. Like, sure. 30, I'll give you 40 million one year. That's it. No incentives or anything like that. You're say you're just going to pitch for me 40 million. And I'm not like, and then we'll do this all again next year. Like if you continue to win, I'll continue to pay you. But the moment you come back down to earth, like I'll, yeah, I'll offer you one year deal, but it's going to be like 12 million. Sorry. You know, like I'm not paying you forty million a year for six years. Like, get out of here. Um, I ain't paying him forty million dollars a year now. Not yeah, I'm saying like, if a team were to even entertain that, which would probably be the the Angels would probably be the team to entertain that. If we're being honest. Um, but we've looked at the Angels signings, and none of them really help the team long term. They just continue to be mediocre. So. For sure. If the Angels did sign him, it'd probably mean that he was just a mediocre player that was going to be on a mediocre <laughs> True. Like, $40 million a year, and we need you to be our number three. Those yep. are the kind of numbers we need from you, Trevor. He'd like, I'm, I'm on it. How often do we play the NL Central? <laughs> <laughs> Can I start all those games, please? Yeah. Um, but yeah, Bless so him. so that's about all. Um. I got, we're, we're right at midnight. We ran a little over two hours, but that's our MO. Who cares? Um, yeah, so we'll, we'll come back, um, next week with our, our MLB expansion conspiracy theories or whatever you want to call them. Blueprints, fun times, creation stuff. Well, I tell you, any one of these new expansion teams has just a good, of um, chance to sign a player before the Cardinals do. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, <laughs> uh, not great. Not great. Uh, bam. You got uh, anything else that you want to add for this week before we go? Um, 
No. 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 I do. I do want an update on what uh, what brand of gloves Matt Carpenter will be wearing. Oh, I. All right. I'll I'll see what I can figure out. He did mention that he wore gloves a couple times at TCU, so maybe we'll see what they. Were they were sponsored a little, by little horn frog, little horn frogs, yeah, little, little horn frogs. It's got Under Armour written all over it. Um, <laughs> yeah, I would have, I would imagine the Cardinals are sponsored by somebody. I just don't know who it is, um, and I would assume they're they're that. We could probably see who other people use, uh, and I would imagine that that would be what Marp would go with. But we can we can try to figure that out. Um, maybe that's what they covered in the fashion conversation. Uh, was what type of batting gloves everyone prefers. Uh, let's see. TCU Athletics Platinum Level Partners. American Airlines. Omni Hotels, Verizon, Gatorade, Geico. Well, that's well, whoever does their jerseys and stuff, not even premium. Gold level partners. Nobody. Wow, dude. Whoever's front their stuff is at least a silver level partner. Ew. Ugh. They don't even have. I guess they do their own. Oh, here we go. It's probably Nike. Yeah. Yeah, probably Nike. So cool, cool. might see some. We'll see some. You know, green. Maybe. I don't. I don't know what the colors hey. were. The horn frogs. Hey. So. They're purple and white, I believe. TCs mm. school colors. Mm. Um, but hey, go frogs, go. Hey, Matt, Matt Carpenter. Um, just do it. Just wear them. Let's just do it. Save the team. Save the city. Save the cheerleader. Save the world. Put us on your back, um, brother. Trevor Bauer. Bauer outage. Oh, let us know <clears throat> if you disagree, man. <laughs> Tweet yeah. at us. Yeah. If you think your spin rate is way better than your regular stats, holler at yeah. your boys. At you Rachel know. Luba. Well, you yeah. can be a guest on the show. You can be our first official podcast guest. This is sure. where... Well, we have the goal of getting a getting a, hey, an interview and a special guest. Our first or podcast guest might be, you know, the potential next GM for the Mets job. We got in. So. We do. We do have we an in. in. Um, but yeah, we'll just take the Machine Gun Kelly approach, dude. We'll just write a diss track for somebody that doesn't even know we have beef with them. Get us, you know, like if we can't get Trevor Bauer to respond to us, we'll start taking shots at M, dude. Yeah. Uh, epic rap battles in, of baseball, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, we can make it happen. Uh, but yeah, Shout out so... to Nice Peter. <laughs> nice Peter. <laughs> nice Peter. That's who yep. does epic rap battles in yeah. history. And Epic Lloyd. Yeah, yeah. Good guys. They're good guys. Yeah. Fans of the show. I mean, I I've met him. Show. You know, I, he probably doesn't remember me, but you know, I met him. So. Yeah. Well, did he kick you out of the booth? No, nah, dude, we hung out in the studio together. Yeah, or yeah, out of the studio. Yeah, so he's, he's another he's cool a, one. He's a better dude than Kanye. True that, and you know who else? Like, you know who Rhymefest is? Nope. Rhymefest, another rapper from Chicago. Check him out; he's pretty cool. Uh, he's another one. You know, kicked in the studio with him. You know, unlike Kanye, who kicked you out, blocked your, blocked your. No, he wouldn't even let me in. Oh, wouldn't even let you in. Fuck yeah, they were like, dude. I got called the morning of by my boss and was like, hey, you can't come to the session tonight. Kanye doesn't allow interns. I'm like, oh, okay. What? But does he know who I am? Does he know me? Like, did you tell him I did you tell him I was coming? <laughs> did you, does he know I'm an intern? Can I just show up and we just say I'm not? <laughs> right. Like you could have said, like, oh no, I've just put him on payroll. It's okay. Yeah, he's good. So, yeah. 
Um, but fuck yeah. Kanye. So <laughs> yeah, fuck Kanye. Come at us, bro. For um, real. <laughs> let's start beef with everybody. Why not? Yeah, kind like of. If you guys listen to this podcast, all they do is talk shit on literally everyone. And they apparently have forty other podcasts, and all they do is talk shit. <laughs> yeah. Like they have forty other podcasts, and we've never heard one episode of any of them. Oh, like they've that's never we're waiting a recording. One of these days, one of them's gonna blow up, and whatever that one is, that's, <laughs> that's the one we'll focus on. Yeah, yeah. that's what we'll do. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's Jeez. not easy maintaining yeah. all these. The game plan's written out. Just people let us follow it. Yeah, just well. just accept our blueprint. It's like <laughs> it's the last thing. I, last thing I'm gonna say because I that doesn't remember anything. So have you or do you remember there? I think it was like a Jack and Box commercial way back in the day, mm-hmm. and this guy's like they're like at this convention or whatever, and the guy's like, uh he's like a. Like a taste tester, and he's like a million dollars to taste test for food. And he's like, "Do you get any so. takers?" He's like, "I just need one." <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, he's like, "For a million dollars, I'll taste test your food." And Jack's like, "Do you, do you ever get any takers?" He's like, "I only need one." <laughs> and, yeah, I'm like dude, it's brilliant. Like we can just be us, dude. Just it is. It is true. I'll just record every podcast. We just need one to go viral, and then we're fine. Uh, but yeah, so next week, look forward to, uh, us talking about MLB expansion, draw those blueprints. Hopefully we'll have some fan interaction. Let us know what you think. Um, if you remember the commercial, help me remember. I'll see if I can track it down and share it with Chris. It's hilarious. But, uh, yeah, otherwise until next week, stay cool. Don't spend all your money in one place.